0: Time for our staple of the show here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Welcome back, everybody. Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole. It is our Ask the Doctor segment where we take questions from you, our listeners, and present them to Dr. Cole. Just go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com. On the homepage, you will find our picture on the right side. Click on that link and type in your questions. And if you want us to call you, we can do that as well periodically from time to time because right now, uh, Dr. Cole, to kick off our Ask the Doctor segment, we've got a uh, young woman named Sarah on joining us all the way from Portland, Oregon. How are you, Sarah?
1: I'm well. How are you doing?
0: Good. Thanks for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: What's your question for Dr. Cole.
1: Um, Well, I hike quite a bit, and I was noticing that um, my left hip is popping. Um, It doesn't hurt, but whenever I'm going upstairs or up a hill, it pops or clicks with every single step. And um, I want to make sure I'm not damaging my hip, and if there's anything I need to do, Um, if it's... If it's safe or okay. um, what right. I can, we've do talked about yeah.
0: this before. The clicking, right? Because I yeah. have it in my ankles. You hear it in yeah. my knees. It's a it's a typical, yeah. common thing, isn't it, Doctor? Yeah, Cole? no, it's a it's a great it's a great, a great, question, it's a great
2: question because yeah. I I've often joked that in my office that I would put a sign up on the counter that says, "Look, if you're here because you have." A joint that's snapping or popping, but doesn't swell. Never had an injury and have no pain. Please turn around and go home. You know. But the <laughs> yeah. problem is, you're asking like the most basic question that everyone is concerned about because it isn't. You wouldn't think it's natural for the, the a joint to pop or snap or click. And the the most important thing you said is that you don't have any pain. So, so I guess the the first take home, and I think this is important for any problem, is you need to know that if you neglect it, will you cause a problem later on that otherwise could be made worse. And in addition to that, will activities make the problem worse now that you know your hip in this example is click, clicking or popping? And if you had the peace of mind to know that activities are not going to make a condition worse because you have this and that ignoring it is not unsafe, that's a great sort of ground zero to start from, right? So so I can tell you that that's the case. Uh, there's nothing dangerous about a non-painful clicking, snapping hip right? So now the question is, um, if some that, that doesn't mean it may not bother you. I mean, it could be a nuisance and it might click every time you do a certain activity and that and that's not necessarily that desirable for by a lot of people. But I think at least giving you the reassurance to know, look, if you do nothing, we stop here, there's nothing to worry about in the future uh, in terms of causing damage or creating a problem in the future that you wouldn't otherwise get, for example, if you treated it today. Okay. Does that make sense?
1: Definitely. All yes. I, I think my biggest concern was that that I was damaging it by doing nothing
2: right but it's a but I bet is it a bother when you're hiking like are you sort of in a situation where like I wish I didn't have this
1: I would prefer not to have it
2: yeah so the but most common cause hurt. yeah so the the most the good news as you say it doesn't hurt but the most common cause is an iliopsoas tendon which is a tendon that runs across the front of the hip that sort of just snaps or catches over a bony prominence or a soft tissue area and I would tell you that um, stretching uh, hip hip extension, stretching, some strengthening can often make a really big difference. It doesn't require an MRI, doesn't require surgery, obviously, or anything like that. But there are stretching programs. And this is a situation where you might actually benefit by seeing a physical therapist. Um, so uh, that can improve it. It can often go away as quickly as it came, right? And, you know, in, if as long as it's staying in a situation where it's just not causing pain, it's perfectly reasonable to observe it. Um, and as I said, if you want to improve it, I will tell you that uh, flexibility, stretching, strengthening, all of those things can make a big difference. Not a great environment right now to sort of teach you all those things, but certainly seeing a physical therapist, um, you could probably get even a you know, a script. Actually, therapists, at least in Illinois now, they can actually do 10 visits without a doctor's prescription. I'm not, I don't know what happens in Portland, Oregon, but they can do an injury screen and evaluate okay. you and probably give you a series of exercises just to get started. And then if you need something more, uh, not unreasonable to see a physician who can get you a, a prescription for more therapy. So hopefully that's that's helpful.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Sarah, thanks so much for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly.
1: All right. Thank you so much for having me. All right. I appreciate it.
0: Take care. Sarah from Portland, Oregon. Dr. Cole, I've got the next question right here. This was written in from Kevin asking you this. My hips have been clicking when I raise my legs laterally. I'm a hockey player, so I know that bad hips can be a result from the motion of skating, but... Again, almost like Sarah's
2: question, is the clicking
0: bad? If so, what can I do to get rid of it? Well, the
2: interesting thing about hockey players is the incidence of labral tears, which are tears on MRI, for example, that show the cartilage in the the hip, uh, is very, very high. In fact, we even see it in the NBA. Uh, But the incidence of those causing problems is very low so the biggest challenge with a hockey player who comes into an office is okay well let's just get an MRI if someone doesn't listen to the patient say look it doesn't hurt it's not causing a disability then you get an MRI and then things can spiral if you're not thoughtful so be prepared especially as a hockey player to have a significant abnormality on a hip MRI does that mean you need to do anything no does that mean you need to change what you're doing skating wise or other no most of the times the things on the MRI are not even related to the popping that you're experiencing
0: All right, next question. Julie from Midlothian asks uh, you this, Dr. Cole. What happens with a pinched nerve? I want to find that out myself.
2: So, you know, that's a very generic um, sort of diagnosis or wastebasket category of, you know, nerve symptoms. So people say pinched nerve and, and pinched nerve, things like that. You know, classically, I think the most common location or way that a nerve gets pinched is there could be a disc For example, in the lower back and the neck that is bulging or herniated, there'll be a piece or a disc fragment that presses on a nerve, and that causes symptoms. And it can be pretty painful. It can be burning pain, numbness, tingling, get worse with certain positions. It can be very, very uncomfortable. Um, So... That's the classic definition of a pinched nerve. Now, there's others more subtleties to that in, you know, what we call somatic nerves in the upper back and so forth that can just be like sensory and, and cause achiness and pain and muscle spasm. Um, that's maybe different than the sort of sciatica thing that people get where the nerve is in, infringed upon by something structural and getting pain down the butt region, back of the leg, all the way down to the foot. So, but the basic concept of a pinched nerve is that there's something structural that's pressing on the nerve, causing referred symptoms in the same sort of dist- distribution or anatomy that that nerve is meant to cover. So that's that. That's a pinched nerve. Okay.
0: Next question I've got here from uh Jake. He is calling us from Geneva actually. He wrote in this question, are there any exercises you can suggest for shoulder arthritis? And boy, you know yeah. what? This one hits home for me too because yeah. I'm wondering. I mean, you know, from the from the neck base of the neck down there down and I continue to lift weights. It doesn't hurt really when I lift. I know my limitations, but you wake up in the morning and you just you just feel that is that arthritis. Why don't you explain to us first, Doctor Cole,
2: what shoulder arthritis is? So, uh, shoulder arthritis is uh, like any arthritic condition is loss of cartilage. And what's interesting about the shoulder is that, you know, just you just want to think about the the incidence of it. We do about mm, four hundred thousand knee replacements, maybe 500,000 hip replacements. There's only about roughly 100,000 shoulder replacements. So the incidence of people who present to the office with very advanced shoulder arthritis requiring a replacement is far less common than say a hip or a knee, okay? Um, That being said, the condition is the same. It's just that for whatever reason, people tend to tolerate shoulder arthritis in other joints, maybe because it's less load-bearing. That's one of the explanations. But what happens is that they present with this achiness, this pain, maybe mechanical painful condition, night discomfort, super common. And what's often always associated with is progressive loss of motion over the years. And it's that loss of motion and pain at the ends of motion that brings a person to the, to the doctor's office. So things that can be done are to maintain the motion you have, and then to work on stretching of the ball and socket joint. And that can be done with training from a therapist. Um, and a lot of it can be done on your own. But that's an area where I will often use injections, maybe even cortisone into the joint, and then give a patient physical therapy and do our best to keep them out of the operating room. Sometimes it does require surgery, but it's not always a replacement. Sometimes we can go in and just sort of loosen up the capsule that's tight, make a more forgiving environment so that they respond better to rehabilitation, and save them from an immediate shoulder replacement and maybe, you know, hopefully... You know, put it off way into the future, or maybe never at all. In some instances,
0: so there's torn rotator cuffs, there's shoulder arthritis. You said loss of cartilage.
2: How do That's you? That's the how same does thing. One lose cartilage. Yeah, loss of cartilage and arthritis is the same thing, and it's most commonly degenerative in nature. In other words, we're programmed. We're genetically does programmed. Does it dissolve? It, it breaks down. Okay. It doesn't necessarily dissolve, but it's it's a cartilage is a you know, a beautifully complex structure that looks perfect under the microscope. And what happens when it breaks down is it just starts to turn into crab meat. The surface breaks down, it just progressively erodes. It can peel off the bone, it can fragment, there can be fissures. And the joint finds it as a very noxious or irritating stimulant that makes fluid production in the joint, achiness, gives you all those symptoms that are just really, sometimes for some people, just unbearable.
0: Dr. Cole, next question for our Ask the Doctor segment comes from Tom in Colorado. Love these people from all over the country. It's about a hamstring injury while water skiing. I suffered a hamstring injury, what I think is a hamstring injury, Dr. Cole. Sharp pain in my middle of my back leg and uh, hurts a lot.
2: What uh, What do we do? So water skiing is a common cause of hamstring tears. And the most common hamstring tear comes off the butt. You're right by that sitting bone, if you will. It's called yeah. the ischium. And when that happens, in some people it has to be fixed. Um, the So it's a very painful injury at first. Um, it happens when you try to get up with your legs too straight, your, hand, your knees are not bent, you try to get up and you're bent over and you're just muscling it up and it pulls the hamstring right off the bone.
0: Oh, and uh,
2: I've seen it a lot. And uh, fortunately, we have guys. I don't fix them anymore. I have Shane No and uh, Chuck Bush Joseph. They do a, a number of these in our practice. And gratifying surgery because you can fix it and make someone normal. The other common source of a hamstring tear is just mid substance in the middle of it. And those don't require surgery. So if the person has pain in the middle of the back of the leg and has bruising and sort of a lump there, that's one that will get better with relative rest, time. Physical therapy can help immensely with stretching and so forth. And, you know, that's a whole different entity. It doesn't require surgery. The surgery wants a pain. I mean, that's it's a long recovery. It's a four to six-month recovery, and it's, 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 it's a challenge because the post-op course is difficult. The one that uh, Tom, I think, is describing is more in the middle, in the back of his leg, and that's, that's a mid-belly muscle, muscle tendon injury, which is different that gets better reasonably quick, but that's like a six to eight week phenomenon that requires no surgery, just compression, rice, uh, exercise, stretching, and so forth.
0: The one you first mentioned sounds almost like a torn Achilles. Uh,
2: similar in concept, uh, Achilles is sort of a mid-tendon tear. This is, it pulls right off the bone. Oh, so yeah, not fun, gracious. not fun. Wow. But you know, good good question, and uh, i sure many of our listeners, unfortunately, have experienced something in this family.
0: And we are out of time for this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our producer, Shane Rudin. Coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. Many thanks to David Cole for our business operations running the website and Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Coming up next here on The Score, we've got Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Schuster. We'll talk with you again next week. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly only on
2: 670 The Score.